Hello and welcome. Welcome to episode 15 of the 90 Day Website Mastery Podcast. Uh, we are celebrating the launch of our new program and the completion of the best website uh, best practice webinar series. We wanted to find a way to continue to share more advice and insights about making your website work harder for you and to, for you to feel proud again of your website. Each episode will comprise of four segments. As always, we have the You Ask, We Answer, uh, where we're going to uh, look at something that either the community has um, submitted or we've researched online. We're going to be looking at website stories, where one article or podcast that We've noticed, uh, and uh, and I think this week it's a it's a uh, a blog that we've noticed, and it's about uh, we're going to dip into the whole Google and AI, and then in terms of the third segment, we have the website engine room, and lastly, of course, we finish with the website call to action, where we give you one change or adjustment that you should be making to your website right now, ultimately to start feeling proud of your website. I'm here with my co-host Pascal Fintoni. Delighted that we're here to get together. Yes, I mean, I look forward to this. I look forward to the whole experience. I had, I've mentioned it before, but I love that our audio branding. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it should be actually right, you know, to feel proud of you know what you've done. And I'm surprised because each time we put the show notes together, you and I, and you say number fifteen. I'm thinking, well, is there still things to talk about when it comes to website? But of course, you know, it's so rich in terms of technical uh, kind of endeavors. There's also the the commercial element, website, but also the emotional dimension of running a website which is what we cover um, extensively here yeah you're making me i mean i've not even mentioned this to you uh on a, on a side project uh website search engine optimization i'm in the middle of putting an ebook together and you were saying you know we're on episode 15 could there possibly maybe be any more episodes <laughs> i i don't want to tell you the page number i'm on on the ebook because i think i've just gone way too technical and way too deep i'm on page 110 <laughs> Of an ebook. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, it may as well, watch out for a watch out for a full version on Amazon. I guess at some point you're gonna have to do three volumes, like Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> so that and that's just about search engine optimization on a website. Uh, so so we have our four segments, and uh, we're gonna start with you ask, we answer. So for episode 15, Johnny, we have a very, very interesting question indeed. And this came about during a project, as is often the case with you, but also your recent uh, adventure at Brighton SEO a few weeks ago now. And the question is as follows. I am trying to understand how to make my website more accessible, but where do I begin? Uh, and I think this, this question is great because it's all to do this idea of understanding what the term accessibility means particularly nowadays but also how can it begin to you know in terms for you as a journey of rediscovery about your own website and what you can do for you know all audiences and and listen nobody set out to set out to create a website project that is going to be not working for everyone but there's so much to think about that very often Johnny it's something that people do um, afterwards or used to happily both in terms of the template solution, but also the, the developer community. People know so much more. But as someone who is not necessarily a website designer, 
that's a question of where do I begin both to understand what is meant by that term and then to take action accordingly. It's it's often overlooked. It's often added at the end. Um, what people don't realise is the uh, percentages uh, of uh, of people that uh, require accessibility on websites, but also the amount of money that these people are spending. So if you've you know if you're whether whether it's product or services. If your website is not easy to navigate, not easy to use from an accessible point of view, you're missing out on a huge chunk of the population, a huge chunk of of, uh, of money in terms of potential clients, potential customers. Um, and it, it's just really important. And what one of the reasons that it's with, uh, you know, you mentioned Brighton SEO just now. One of the reasons that we uh, it's come back to the forefront is that Google is clearly, as part of its rollout in terms of uh, new algorithm, accessibility is clearly going to be uh, high on their list. And that was sort of uh, given given away a bit by uh, John Muller at Brighton when I was there. And, and rightly so. Um, so where do you start? I mean, the obvious things are making things easy to read in terms of contrast. So we often think of how things look really nice uh, and having powerful colors and, you know, different text colors on different background colors. But actually, if you're visually impaired or if, you, if, you, if you're uh, limited on the, the vision that you've got, uh, the contrast can be really difficult. So it's about just simple things about thinking about the contrast of images. But then if you're thinking about someone who is blind, who is unable to see the website, they would be using uh, something like a screen reader. And what your website needs to ensure is that, for example, when you've got an image, that it reads the image out really well in a descriptive way, instead of just some sort of jargony code, one, two, three, JPEG type thing that just puts off the user understanding the content. Um, and, and likewise, Google's looking for uh, a better understanding as well. And then just the sort of third thing, just to throw in, it's about how things move. A lot of people prefer um, using a keyboard, whether that's for accessibility reasons or, or not, actually. Um, you know, there's times that I can use a mouse, no no issues. However, I much prefer keyboard at times. Um, and there's people that can only use keyboard. So it's about how does the navigation work in terms of using it with a keyboard. So for example, if you've got a big mega menu, how do you get through that menu using a keyboard? And, and the tab key needs to work really well in terms of taking you to the next place in the menu whereas if you test this on a number of different websites i'll name uh, i'll name one if you go to asda uh, it's not that you know if it, apologies if the if one of the asda web developers is watching or listening right now uh, but in terms of that your mega menu uh, or asda's mega menu in terms of using that tab key it's it's awful because it doesn't flow in in any natural way whatsoever so where do you start it's about standing back and understanding that we're all different and we all use devices and browsers very differently. And it's about how can we make things as easy to understand in as many different ways as possible. And I guess the first place is just that contrast, making sure that, you know, black on white is so much easier to read than blue on blue. <laughs> no, absolutely. Thank you very much. And, and you know what's interesting is um, for me as well in 2023, when we think about accessibility, it's this idea that 
all those small adjustments are going to benefit everyone. I mean, everyone. You know, those who essentially can read fast and, and can navigate through a website very, very fast, no problem, will actually appreciate the fact that, you know, it's easier, that it's clearer. Um, I mean, accessibility can begin with, you know, the, the vocabulary that you use. You know, have, have you gone for, because maybe this was what you had to for launch, the first pass of the copy, Johnny, that is very sometimes technical or, or very jargony or too long. And the difference removing three, four words in a 20-word sentence can, can, can really require adding white space. So all those things is for everyone, not just, you know, essentially the community that people think of initially. And I think that's really where Google is going as well. Because if your website uh, content in particular is more accessible, people stay longer. If they stay longer, you get all the just reward with regard to your visibility and credibility. Well, what was interesting about, you know, where, where do you begin? You're right. You begin by walking in the shoes of a first-time visitor. And that's very hard to do, by the way, when you spend weeks and months developing this website and then you've survived the launch day. You may have had a moment to crack champagne and then work takes over. Or, you know, what happens typically, Johnny, is you've had to dedicate time in your diary for the website but there's a price to be paid for that, which is the backlog of everything else that you can touch and so on. So you've got to be, you've got to go back, and we recommend, of course, as part of the program, to go back once a quarter, you know, to look at your website. And I think accessibility with regard to the contrast. Uh, interestingly, Google is also making some suggestions online in their support page about the alt text or the alternative description of images. But what I was very surprised, and I must check my own website to, to be fair, we're talking about also a background image images, the part of the design, as well as banner images and so on. And they were saying things like, you know, when you want people to do something, you want them to click to move on to a different part of um, the website. They were saying, you know, which we knew from an SEO point of view was important, avoid using the term click here, because that is meaningless. Someone who is either using a, a reader or using different means, just, you know, have a full sentence. And they were saying as well, which I, I must confess, I never thought of, if something is important, we typically would increase the font size, you know, using the H1, 2, and 3. We may even make it bold. But they were saying, if this is important, those kind of formatting won't be read back to, you know, people using the, those type of software solutions. So you, you might as well say, important information and then put the information and so it goes on so it's literally walking in the shoes of a first-time visitor and asking yourself is this legible is it logical uh, challenge the menu do you have too many options do they flow in a manner that will, will match a conversation you have with customers this is how you can start without necessarily having technical knowledge and you can also use tools like uh, Google Lighthouse, um, which gives you a score out of 100 in terms of your website accessibility. So I guess if you're starting from scratch and you're about to build a brand new website, it's about thinking about accessibility right on day one in terms of design, in terms of layout, in terms of content. But if you've already built the website and you're already, you know, you've, you've got a website already, running it through a tool like Google Lighthouse is very quickly going to help you identify lots of uh, technical areas that, uh, that can be optimized for accessibility. The question was around where do I begin? Something tells me we'll come back to this subject, in fact, as we get more and more information from, you know, the act of Google and Web3 as well. Uh, I think it's fascinating, but more importantly, it's a mindset about helping every single website visitor, not just a small group. Absolutely. 
I think it's time for Website Stories. So, Johnny, I've selected an article that was presented to me by my content uh, kind of uh, filter system. I've got an app on my phone called Flipboard. I've got some keywords. I've got some hashtags. And it presents to me a number of articles. I will say the vast majority I ignore because... Well, you can tell that people didn't really, you know, do a very good job. It's just content marketing machine. But there was this one which intrigued me, written by Jose Antonio Lanz for a platform I've not heard of before called Decrypt. So I might, you know, look into it more. But the title goes as follows: Google updates its SEO playbook for content generated with AI. I was like, okay. Let's have a look at uh, what this because we recently talked about Medium putting together some rules that they would not necessarily accept or certainly would not uh, favor AI-produced content. But um, So this is all to do with a small change in the first paragraph, a very, very important page for um, you know website managers and more on the helpful content update. So uh, Google has a blog, of course they have, and they tend to kind of keep people in form of new development. They try and keep it actually very simple, which is um, really, really good. But what was spotted by um, technicians of the, of the internet was that there was a time where the phrase in the first paragraph read, written by people, which was this idea, this is what we deem to be helpful content. And now it's been changed to content created for people. So uh, the, the source and origin of the content is perhaps not as important. We shall see. So Jose continues to investigate. So, well, maybe it's, of course, uh, the right timing because AI is everywhere. We've mentioned many you know, in our conversation. Google themselves are creating platforms. We know there's going to be a massive change on the search results page. They're looking into their own solution called BARD and many other things, and indeed they've been playing for a while. But you know, there's a word of warning. In fact, uh, your new friend, John Miller from Google, uh, is quoted in the article by saying, you know, by definition, if, you're, if you are using AI to write your content, it's going to be rehashed from other sites. Hint, we're not going to value that. So the article continues to explore you know, what, what, what that means, that change of phrase about from content written by people to content created for people. And there's the, the certainly uh, you know, people accept that Google have put in place ways to detect AI-generated content but it is also an imperfect system at this moment in time. So it is likely that even if people are going to be tempted to use AI to produce the content, it's going to be about the quality. And this is going to be the quality, which is indicated by a number of signals. And the signals is about the length of stay. And, you know, for me, you know, I then go back to, you know, Google again on their own, the, the web page I, I cited, because, you know, they state that they use a number of signals to present information to their searchers. And what they are looking for is original, helpful content created for people in our search results. But this idea of, you know, um, be careful is at the heart, I think, of, of, of this article. So there's been a slight change in the, the verbiage, if you will, used in that first paragraph about helpful content update, but this is not an open door to go all in on AI-produced content. They've, they've, they're admitting that AI is helping people write content. 
and they're un- and they're admitting that AI can make that content that that can enhance that content. It's all about how you use AI, the prompts you give it, the 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 uh, what you ask it to do. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to: is this content resourceful? Is it helpful? Is it relevant? Does it read well? And as long as you're ticking all of those boxes, Google's saying it doesn't matter how you've created it, as long as it's it's resourceful, helpful, readable um, for people. People would want to engage with it. People, that's the key thing. So um, where I think uh, John was talking quite a bit about this, um, and I think the key thing that sort of came out of it is that, you know, it's a great place to start. AI is a great place to start in terms of a structure, in terms of a um, thinking about a, a sort of a, 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 an essay plan in a way, uh, a mm. content plan. So it, it's a great way to to give you that structure, but then it's about, you know, making, humanizing it uh, and making uh, making it making it right. So, yeah, the, it's really interesting that they, they drop the, written by people and instead change it to written for people <laughs> and it's and it's interesting because that's been the history of, of SEO in particular people picking half a sentence and making you know yes. uh, and I thought this article is a lot more balanced than, than usual and presenting the case for um, and there will be I'm guessing as well because of this AI detection system that Google put in place there will be mistakes there will be mistakes in future like Facebook making mistakes about photography using AI to detect you know photography that is uh, not in line with their guidelines so there'll be some people who are going to be writing original content who sadly are going to get caught out so we need to see what the next six to 12 months but this AI subject matter is everywhere in the news I mean interesting that was invited to attend at the end of of, um, this month, an AI security conference in Newcastle, um, and looking, you know, what we can do because ultimately there is still control, you know, over the, over the machinery. Do you think uh, in a few years' time it's going to stay content written for robots? <laughs> no, I don't think it will do that because, <laughs> now in fairness, because the robot will have all that information already in. <clears throat> you know, they'll be smarter. Well, not smarter, but they'll be able to. Uh, and but you know, back to this idea of original content, that's you know that's what they're, they're looking for. And, and, and John Miller is warning people, and you and I know that's the case. That ultimately, if you were to ask, uh, you know, put a brief together on ChatGPT and another, what you get back are, are sentences and half paragraphs from all the sources, and and you you can't use it as is. I don't think it will match your tone of voice. And and I'm still to this day. I use it a lot for inspiration, but I usually use like a three three four word sequence. Oh, well, that's quite good. But everything has to be written by me because I just don't like the way it's, it's formulated. Yeah. Is it time for the website engine room? Should we go to that, Pascal? Let's go. Now, in each episode of the 90-Day Website Mastery Podcast, John and I present and surprise each other, in fact, with one solution, one software, one app that can make life easier as a website manager. So what is your selection, Johnny? My selection for today in the Website Engine Room is a little plugin called Smush, 
S-M-U-S-H. It's a, a WordPress plugin for image optimization. It helps reduce file sizes. Uh, it gets rid of some of the metadata that you don't require um, and ultimately keeps the quality of the image uh, but gets makes it much smaller so that it's optimized to load faster. Google wants faster websites um, without losing the quality. It's really easy to use. There's a paid version, but the free version works just as well. To be perfectly honest, um, and uh, and and can you know you can take an existing website, put Smush onto it, and it will. Uh, you can run it across all the current images that are on the site, but also if you leave it on there, every new image you add uh, will be what they call smushed, uh, optimized, uh, as uh, you add new images as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this week it's smush. Oh, that's great because I've been using a kind of um, third-party solution, but away from the WordPress environment. So I think that's going to save me tons and tons of time. Uh, my selection is actually surprisingly something that I should have mentioned a long time ago, uh, tinywow.com, tinywow.com. It's like the ultimate file converter and file repairer, if you like, machine. So you go on TinyWow, and, and no matter what your original file is, it will convert into a different format using a very user-friendly interface, whether you want to go from MP4 to MP3, you want to go from PDF to PNG, if you want to um, edit you know, very, very gently what that file is. This is like the Swiss army knife for content you know, production because literally there's no one file conversion and one file repair that they don't, they don't cover. And I love, you know, we talk about accessibility and I love the way they use um, a lot of white space and it's very fresh and elegant, not heavy. They use icons a lot. They use good color contrast and so on. And yeah, to my surprise, when I was checking, you know, at our growing list of tools and and apps, I was thinking, I can't believe I've not mentioned Tiny Wow uh, yet on on the show because I've got it on my tab next to the other um, image compression service that I use all the time for my work. Yeah, having file converters is is very helpful, especially when you're going from. Mac to PC, or, uh, or or perhaps it's uh, as you say, converting something from uh, video to audio, or all sorts of uh, all sorts of different usages, really. And the trouble is, is, if you just Google a file converter, you end up with some of them that are just sort of so adverty and so uh, full of uh, you know potential virus as well, and you end up downloading something that you know you didn't need. In fact. I was I I was uh, on a uh, it, it reminds me it says you know not quite the same but um someone uh, has been on needed a QR code they've been mm-hmm. online to generate one they are paying <laughs> wait for it they're paying 29 pounds per month to use the QR code <laughs> when when there's hundreds of sites out there that will just create a QR code for free and it's a bit like that in terms of file converter that you know if you end up on one of the one of these scammy sites you'll end up paying a fortune buying a load of viruses at the same time without realizing it uh, and, and and spending a fortune on trying to convert files that you didn't need to no absolutely right well is a, on, on the list for you and i let's find some good reliable qr code makers because they are becoming you know they have been for a while now very popular um, and without giving it away uh, mm. I, I believe that canva now has a qr code uh, generator inside it they do indeed yes. i didn't know that 
Yeah. I think for platform, I think they should be all over Microsoft. You know, when you do a, a presentation using PowerPoint or a document, I think it should be now a de facto, you know, uh, item that you can add. Fully integrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, I like I like Tiny, Tiny Wow. Thank you very much. No problem. So listen, we are reaching now the end, sadly, of this episode. So can we move on to the website, Call to Action? In our last segment, we'd like to give you the one change, the one adjustment that you should be making right now that would make a big difference to you, your audience, and your website. Johnny, what is your call to action? Internal links. So my background is search engine optimization. I'm very passionate about it. Uh, Internal links are, if you imagine those signposts in the supermarket, the, the, the aisle signs that tell you what, you know, which aisle the bread's on which aisle the milk's on uh, those are the the internal signposts that really help google find content help google index content help go- help google understand all of the pages of your website and if you use them strategically uh, they can really send page authority it was known formerly known as page rank page authority to to your key important pages so you know you you pick your main product pages your main service pages and you use other pages across the site to create these internal links these signposts that help google understand the power the importance but also from a user point of view be up to be able to find key pages uh, quickly when you're talking about certain things in content. So, I mean, I do, I do, I must do uh, five to 10 uh, website audits a week uh, and um, internal links are always, always missed. Uh, there's so many opportunities to literally uh, increase rank and traffic by just adding some internal links. Great. And, you know, I have some sympathy because when a website is first launched, you could argue there doesn't feel like there's a need for much internal links. You know, the, the, the website, you could, one could argue, is light in content. But actually, if you plan it in advance and you start to create content around the central theme or around a the product, then the logic will dictate that you should recommend. And if you find this interesting, you should also check this out you know, in so many words. What is your website call to action this week, Pascal? So I wanted to link it back to, you know, when we start with the question about accessibility and where do I begin? So my call to action would be for people to get a report on the, their best performing web pages. So we're not going to look at the whole site in one go. We're going to break it up. Look at the best performing pages and check two things now, whether your images, all of them, even the background images, the logos and so on, have the alt text or the alternative description. So that, you know, those who need that additional information because they can't see the images or they've chosen a much simpler browser that eliminates the pages and so on, they can get that text to be read out to them or they can read it for themselves. So find those images on the best performing web pages. Check whether or not you have the alt text. Are you happy with it? If you have some that need to be rewritten or if it's absent, can you add it? And then I would do the second thing, which I'm just going to make up on the spot. I would then also in parallel use Johnny's recommendation of Smush and make sure that those images uh, have the file size reduced sufficiently without losing the quality. But let's begin by breaking down the, the website for accessibility. I would begin with the best performing web pages and the alt text. That is my call to action for this episode. Well, thank you very much, Pascal. What a fully content-rich, 
packed episode yet again. Uh, I think the theme has been very much around accessibility in terms of, look, there's a whole audience that you could be missing out on here um, in terms of uh, financially, but also uh, just, you know, uh, what they think of you as well and, and whether they whether they would even be able to use your website. So I think uh, accessibility plays uh, many parts and not just that in terms of how you rank in search engines uh, and how you convert in search engines. So accessibility has been probably the, the key theme today. We've talked about uh, the usage of AI uh, for content. You know, it's okay, but you have to be cautious. You have to be careful. It has to be humanized. It has to be helpful, rich content, uh, and and be cautious is, is what we're suggesting. We've talked about some of the tools that we suggest, Tiny Wow and Smush, and we've said that the call to actions for this week are internal links and checking, for example, things like have you included your alt text on your images, not just all, not just, you know, the main images, but the background images as well. So accessibility and be cautious on AI. That is a fantastic summary, Johnny. Uh, and for me, it's back to this sign day and at the heart of this um, podcast series. You know, the, you can't do everything at the same time. So you've got to break it up a bit and focus and, and be commercially driven as well. You know, what you want to sell more of this year is a question that I ask my customers over and over again. And what is the role of, of the website? And, and right now, and I suppose because of the work that I do and you do, people uh, seem to very often disconnect from the website after the launch. So they feel that the work has been done now up to the website to, you know, pay its way, if that makes any sense. And for me, as often as say the work begins the uh, minutes after you press, you know, publish on that website. I, it, it should never end. It's a live website. It's, you know, you wouldn't build a shop and then not do anything with it, never change the window display, never update, you know, where things are and, and how it looks and, You'd be cleaning it, wouldn't you? You daily, you know, you'd have you'd have cleaners in there on a daily basis. It's it's a it it's never just build and forget. Uh, that's the worst thing you could do. It's about staying proud of your website, and that is it for today. This was episode fifteen of our new podcast series, the audio companion to the ninety day website mastery program. For more information, please visit ninety daymarketingmastery.com and you'll be able to book your discovery call with either myself or Pascal. We'll be back with another episode. In the meantime, feel free to send your questions, share your preferred apps and links to your website once you've made the changes we spoke about because we'd love to give you a shout out. Bye for now, everyone, and we'll leave you with a fun video and audio montage whilst you go through your notes and actions. Take care. See you all soon.